Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 41 of the Finger Guns Podcast. My name is Roscoe. Hello, how are you doing? And I'm joined by Mr. Greg Hicks. Good evening. How are you today, sir? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, been a busy weekend, but uh, yeah, can't complain. Fantastic. And Mr. Paul Collett. Hi. How are you, you imbecile? I'm absolutely fine now that Liverpool won and uh, Man United lost. God damn it. good. I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I can't help. I, I'm looking at your little picture on my screen and I want to punch it. But... Well, feel free. I'm absolutely <laughs> fine with that. <laughs> uh, I won't because I'll ruin my laptop screen. That'll be terribly unfortunate. That's fair. Mr. Sean Davies. Hello. How are you doing, mate? I am good. I am full of uh, lovely Sunday dinner and uh, ready to talk absolute garbage with you guys. Yeah, that's what we do best, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Good. I like how you start your intro every week with some information, a little update on the food that you've been eating. I was going to say, it's always about food, isn't it? <laughs> it's not always about food. I don't want to pigeonhole you, Sean, but... <laughs> it's not always about food. <laughs> well, it's snacks then. All right, well, you know, there was there was that time a guy sang the Witcher theme tune with me in the toilet. That oh, was... yeah, okay, fine, fine. Out of, out of 41 new numbered episodes, <laughs> a good 39 of them have been about food. Okay, okay fine. All right. <laughs> Next time, it will be about food. Jesus. And, of course, we have a special guest with us this week, joining us all the way from Cave Monsters, the creators of the wonderful-looking Lord Winkerbottom Investigates. Let's have a big round of applause, please, for Charlotte Sutherland! (laughs) Hello! (laughs) Bravo, bravo! (laughs) Thanks very much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. It's an absolute treat. How are you doing? Um, Good, thanks. Yeah, yeah, just uh, sort of... Cracking on with the, the game development. <laughs> now, we're going to jump straight in to the interview. So I have a myriad of questions I need to ask. First and foremost, Lord Winklebottom Investigates, could you tell the world everything there is to know about the game from beginning to end? Go! No, I'm kidding. Uh... <laughs> just just what, what you want people to know about it. Um, well, it's a 1920s murder mystery uh, point and click adventure, but in a world populated entirely by animals so it's a bit different that's kind of like the the main <laughs> the main selling point and the main pitch for it <laughs> so um yeah you're basically playing as a gentleman detective giraffe um called lord winklebottom who has to try and figure out sort of why his uh, old school chum has been murdered uh, and that's admiral gilfrey uh, he's he's an axolotl <laughs> so you're investigating that with um your companion dr frumple who's a hippo uh, and there's there's just a load of animals as the cast, basically. Oh, that's so, so wonderful. I remember uh, seeing the, the trailer for it for the first time and getting very excited because I hadn't seen anything like it before. <laughs> I mean, where where in, in the very deepest depths of your mind did this come from? <laughs> uh, well... I mean, I've always liked animal stuff anyway. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a big sort of animal fan. I liked point and click adventures. Sort of, I've, I've always loved playing point and click adventures. And I just kind of wanted to work on something that interests me, really. Sort of because I've worked before in, on games and stuff like large companies and things. But a lot of the games that I've worked on, they're not really things that I'd necessarily play myself. And then I just ended up kind of taking a bit of time for myself, really, and going into teaching a bit and... Um, just kind of trying to do my own stuff and I got back into sort of digital painting and uh, just after some visits to the zoo and stuff I started to draw a few sort of animals but I was also watching a lot of Sherlock Holmes films and stuff at the time I've always loved Agatha Christie and things as well so I was kind of watching the old Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes 
stuff and as well as poirots and and things like and then there were none and and stuff like that and i just thought it might be a nice sort of mixture to kind of <laughs> combine the two so zoo animals and and sort of you know that kind of 1920s-ish murder mystery <laughs> thing. So it's a bit of an odd mix, I know, but mm. it's um, it just kind of all popped, <laughs> popped mm. into my head, really, from there. And also, like I said, with the digital painting. So they didn't start off really as, like, game-specific characters. They were just going to be general little sort of fancy animals portraits. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd seen some drawings and stuff done before where it was, like, fancy sort of like old-fashioned like draw paintings of like r2d2 and stuff like that <laughs> oh, nice. and I, I quite like that sort of old-fashioned portrait style but you know with something a bit quirky thrown into it so that, that's kind of where it all came from quirky is the word <laughs> yeah. i know um i know uh, sean's sean had a go on the game at, <laughs> at one event um what can you uh, tell us about it from a hands-on point of view it's hilarious <laughs> it is so I, I played I think it's like the start of the game before you get to the island uh, of your old pal the okay I need to ask you how do you pronounce this is axolotl Ax, axolotl do you uh, know I I had to google it before we <laughs> spoke before <laughs> yeah, yeah I, it's it's axolotl as, as far as I know <laughs> <laughs> yes yes it's not just me that struggles with this word <laughs> why why an axolotl if neither of us can pronounce it <laughs> Uh, um i just i've always thought they look really weird and <laughs> funny they, they, they do they yeah do. it's just it's just something where I've, I've kind of i've just always loved like the weirdness of them well, um yeah because yeah, i've seen some sort of like um like in pet shops and stuff <laughs> and uh like aquariums and things i just thought they're so odd yeah for <laughs> so sure that's, that's kind of where it came from when, when, I, when i first saw your trailer and i was like okay uh, what's an axolotl and then i googled it and then i was like okay and then i was like how do you even pronounce this so <laughs> <laughs> like these are the weirdest creatures ever with the hardest pronounced name these like <laughs> what the hell uh, yeah they, they are it's spelled quite weirdly isn't it so i know it's, yeah it's a bit hard to kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of figure it out really but yeah so the the part that i played the games was i think it was the start um, one of the things that really stood out for me is not only is it like 1920s and it is very like tongue in cheek towards uh, like Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, but also how it leans into the fact that everyone is an animal. <laughs> and I asked you before him, we did a QA like oh, like six, seven months ago, maybe mm, yeah. about how like the creative process to come up with the like the comedy because the trailer was hilarious and then playing the game. You really see that. So there's like a part where you go into a, a bar and there there is a boar sat at the bar, and I think it was Rumple says he looks like a bit of a boar, and then there's this really there's, there's this really uncomfortable silence. <laughs> like, it just it just sounds like CSI Babar. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, funny because Babar wasn't that funny. But is that something that's going to permeate throughout the game? Like leaning on the fact that these characters are all animals. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like going to be mainly sort of some of the stuff that pops up. So, I mean, I, I thought like I was trying to do that kind of joke as just a bit of, you know, as in Winklebottom is is kind of acknowledging the fact that that's a rather sort of, you know, rubbish, <laughs> rubbish joke. <laughs> that's why the there's the, the sort of awkward pause, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I was trying to get across that kind of, you know, the way that's that sort of overly polite, but slightly... 
sort of sarcastic <laughs> kind of British humour. Yeah, so yeah, I am I am going to sort of draw attention to the fact, you know, that the animals and the different traits and stuff, and you know, kind of that's going to interact with you know certain things that they can and can't do and, and things. So yeah, yeah, the, yeah, it's definitely going to. It's not just a a story that could just be swapped over to have people in it. Instead, it's going to be sort of animal specific <laughs> parts. Yeah. For sure. I mean, like one of the first puzzles was is like you need to get into this pub, and to do so, you know, you, I think it was the key was upstairs, or anyway, you have to basically use Lord Winklebottom's height to basically go in through the upper window, and there are like jewels there and stuff, and there, there was there was like a nice comedy moment where you can like direct Lord Winklebottom to try and steal some, I think it was pearls, and oh, yeah. um, and he's like, no, not me, not Lord Winklebottom, the height of, <laughs> it's, it's 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 a yeah, so I'm really appreciative of that. So you started the development and then went for a Kickstarter. Yeah. And the first one didn't go so well. No, no. I was still quite happy, though, with the amount that it actually made. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like, um, you know, complete sort of, you know, failure when it came down to it. And I, I got quite a few contacts and stuff out of it that helped sort of yeah. uh, to lower the, the overall sort of estimate because that, that that was amazing because like the second one came back and it was just like a massive success and it was like a, it, it felt like a very short time it probably wasn't you know to you but like it felt like a very short time between the first one ending and the second one beginning and it was just really great to see it succeed like the second time around thanks it, i think it was a month actually possibly in month? between yeah it wasn't it wasn't very long sort of because i left it pretty much the same but i did have to i, did, I just changed sort of some of the uh, the amounts because of like just in reference to the quotes and stuff that I'd had really yeah because uh, some of it uh, well no I think back on it and I've heard sort of um from other people that had used different companies that some of the quotes were incredibly high for um it's like localization and stuff so like majority of that money would have been going to like a lo- localization company yeah just help get the get the languages in there there wouldn't have been as many languages either as as with the other companies that i've sort of heard from and had good recommendations from so that that's really helped out actually with lowering the costs yeah it's it's awesome that you went kickstarter as well but i the, i've seen quite a lot of buzz about lord winklebottom maybe it's my internet bubble <laughs> um but like i you know i follow a lot of you know adventure game fans and you, you you've been to adventure game conference as well haven't you yeah yeah i was lucky enough to um exhibit there sort of um year before last how was that because that that always looks like a brilliant conference yeah it was great that was it I sort of made a lot of nice sort of well new friends and stuff really through that and uh like a few useful contacts different companies and um uh met also glozo games like who who's the, the guy that's doing um uh inspector waffles oh yeah so, like, yeah 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 so uh yeah other animal detective people <laughs> I met the dark side detective guys and uh the gibbous um Cthulhu adventure people and yeah sort of some really nice people i've kind of got to chat with and been in touch with them sort of online afterwards and still chat and stuff occasionally and uh, it's it's sort of a nice little community really sort of uh intending something like that so i found yeah. that really really helpful going there is is there like camaraderie between the adventure game developers like differently from normal game developers because it's it's a different different craft really i feel maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah well um i mean i've i've kind of i've I've felt like it's a bit more of a kind of niche genre i suppose in a way so people do seem to kind of band together a bit more and kind of chat more online and uh unless it's just you know 
the, f- the few people that I've come across. I mean, I, I've, I've not really sort of made any sort of independent stuff other than obviously like this adventure game that I'm working on. So I'm not too sure sort of yeah. how it work with, you know, platformers and stuff like that. If you still get indie sort of people kind of banding together that worked on the same stuff. I'm guessing sort of you would though generally because it seems like it's quite nice sort of in in the indie community it seems like it's much easier to chat about stuff yeah. kind of what what you're working on rather than obviously sort of with triple a stuff where everybody's a bit more secretive and you know not necessarily allowed to discuss things that much and it's yeah. uh so you can have friends that work in other studios but you, you can't ever really chat about stuff and it's you know you're more of a little cog in a you know big machine um rather than sort of where you're just doing it all yourself so i think that just makes it a bit friendlier in general really because you're dealing with less people and also most of those people are sitting indoors doing their work (laughs) sort of on their own as well so it's kind of a nice a nice sort of you know little community of people that are doing similar style work you've got quite extensive industry experience as well haven't you you've worked in quite a lot of really high profile places yeah i sort of started off tt games so i was working on like a few of the lego games and stuff oh, there and then kind of moved on games. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah sort of moved around a bit because it's like contract jobs and stuff that i've been doing so it's it's sort of a mixture of different things and when you're contracting i've just been kind of moving around different places for a few different like a few months um so it was like i was at ea for a little while on um one of the harry potter it was harry potter and the deathly hallows part one which i don't think many people liked or played much of. <laughs> I think it I was, have. I, I think I've got that on the PS3. So uh, just, <laughs> I might stream it and let you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it, I think it was like one of the first like connect to the games and stuff. So yeah, that. Uh, sorry, I, I don't know if you can hear my dog barking in the background. Sorry, that's okay. We, we are used, we, you, we, we've fine, got like we're a an animal friendly podcast. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, I was. I was yeah, at EA for a little while and then kind of moved around to Rare working on Connect Sports and stuff. And that, that was a really nice little group of people there. And cause it, was, it was sort of based with the contractors and stuff, like based in Birmingham then. So um, stayed there for a while and just kind of moved moved around again and then sort of ended up at Zumo Digital uh, in Sheffield. And so I went there initially to work on like the Doctor Who adventure games. So they were I like free, free ones from the BBC. <laughs> yeah, they're always fun. I like <laughs> so I only got to work on the last one though, it was the uh, the gunpowder plot one. But and then then after that I was working on Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed and Little Big Planet Free. <laughs> I was trying trying to remember <laughs> all the stuff then. So uh, and then after that I just kind of was contracting again a little bit, but that was more like I don't know if you'd have heard of it was the Invisimals. Yeah. Um, which I've, I've never played them myself, but <laughs> it was doing some cutscenes and stuff with one of the Invisibles games. It's one of the most popular uh, games in Spain, that is. I don't yeah, know why. yeah. I, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't know why, because I'd never heard of them before, to be honest. So. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's crazy. I, I, like, I got it on PS3 and, and PS Vita, and I was like, one of my Spanish friends was like, this is the be- biggest game in Spain. I was like, okay. I started playing, I was like, I don't see buddy, but you know, you, you do you. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah, it was, it was nice working on the cutscenes. Apart from the fact that you sort of had to listen to Brian Blessed a lot because oh, he God, was yeah. he was sort of in the, <laughs> that last yeah. one. So a lot of the audio, you're trying to do lip sync for different people and stuff, and then you've got like 
Brian Blessing sort of shouting occasionally. So, <laughs> so I, I, that was a bit irritating. <laughs> That's brilliant. So how how is um, Lord Winklebottom coming along? Obviously, you had showed it in on at Res, and I think that was like the first part of the game. How is it? How is it coming along? Yeah, it's coming on well. Um, like I said before, there was a slight slight delay sort of popped up. That's just like because of family stuff, really, because my husband been in the hospital and stuff last sure. year and and things. So. Uh, I'm still sort of in the wireframing stage, so I'm just trying to like get all the the base game puzzles and dialogue and stuff sorted, but with like really rough art. So yeah, at the moment like I was, so that first bit of the game is kind of like more polished, obviously, because that's kind of that that's the bit that I showed at EGX. Yeah. So yeah, the rest of it is kind of just taking place, but with rough artwork. So it's like quite scribbly, <laughs> rough stuff. So yeah, I'm still kind of going through that process, which I aim to get done. A bit earlier than this, but obviously things got in the way a little bit. So, have you have you had uh, much interest from publishers? Because I imagine, obviously, you know, these adventure games are going through a bit of a renaissance at the minute. Um, you know, like Disco Elysium's kind of opened up the door for a lot of point and click and adventure style games, and it's kind of blowing the doors off for the genre again, 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 again. And uh, I was just wondering if, like, you'd, you'd seen anything from anybody, or even if you were looking for a publishing partner. Um, well, I had actually sort of um, chatted with a few people previously, but I wasn't really sure sort of kind of whether I should or not go with, with publishers. Yeah. Just because, yeah, I sort of heard different things from different people and, you know, I I wasn't sure exactly, you know, whether to, well, sort of what they could bring to it in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's just that kind of thing where I can see how much I can manage on my own and then, you know, if I need extra help if I've got the funds for trying to get anyone to help with like marketing and stuff like that, you know, kind of, which, you know, hopefully I might be able to get some extra funds and stuff through to help with something like that. Cause that, that's the main bit that I feel like I need some, some help with really is like marketing and, and stuff just because it's a bit difficult doing that alongside, you know, the actual development. So oh, yeah. jug- juggling social media and, and stuff and it's sort of too easy to spend like, you know, an entire day just sat on, twitter or something rather than, than actually <laughs> yeah. doing the work and stuff so yeah so like i said i'd, I'd had like a a few people sort of like show interest in it but i just i just wasn't sure if it that's, was if it was the right option or not really yeah that's, that's yeah. totally like you, you do hear some horror stories don't you you know these and and i think there's a couple of publishers out there now that are kind of trying to dispel the the you know the craziness like this super hot presents and things like that there mm-hmm. You know they they're doing some some weird and wacky things and and uh, fingers crossed with that. Like you know if you do decide to go with one, but I do think I you know just as an aside, I, I think you've got quite a good buzz. I mean this might be my internet bubble again, but like I do see a lot of people sharing you know Lord Winklebottom stuff around the internet, and it's you know it seems to have have captured quite a lot of people's attention, um, which is was great. Seeing as though you you know you've not got a publisher and you're not you know got PR people pushing it into mailboxes of Kotaku and etc. So it's it's really nice to see. Thanks. It's, yeah, I'm really happy sort of with how it's gone so far because with with like the first Kickstarter campaign, I, I sort of um, I did get some help. Then I sort of helped got um, it was Karina Abbott sort of to help with a bit of just you know Kickstarter prep and stuff. You know to yeah. kind of get the sort of get the ball rolling on it and um, sort of helping out with some press and stuff for the first one. Um, but it was a case of like not necessarily being able to afford much more you know sort of because it, yeah. it was sort of just like me at the time sort of sorting it out so yeah I'm quite happy with sort of how it's how it's progressed with without sort of 
focusing or spending too much money on, on trying to market yeah. and stuff. So, uh, so that is something though that I'd like to, I'd like to try and sort of explore it a bit more to see if I can sort of push it a bit more though. Um, cause yeah, it feels like, you know, I kind of need to, you know, focus on trying to, you know, push the marketing for wish lists and, and stuff like that. And, yeah. um, I need to sort out Nintendo sort of eShop stuff and, it's just it's just juggling it all really and <laughs> getting yeah. it all sort of sorted and try, trying to just weigh out the time really when i when i should be doing this and when i should be doing like development and and stuff so it's uh yeah it's yeah. It, it's starting to feel a bit like yeah i don't know if i can manage all of that on my own <laughs> yeah that that's totally makes sense mm. and you, you just said nintendo eShop. does that mean so switch yeah yeah the switch was sort of guaranteed initially yeah. so, so that's yeah that was kind of okayed and stuff while while the uh, the second Kickstarter campaign was running, so that's yeah, backers could sort of get the um like Steam key or DRM free or or Switch, depending on what they kind of what their preference was. <laughs> yeah, after that sort of Xbox and uh, PS4 sort of was confirmed, but it's just a bit trickier when it comes to sort of offering that to backers and stuff like yeah. because of things. So, but yeah, it's definitely going to be sort of on <laughs> on all the platforms. So. I am so happy. <laughs> I- I'm going to have it on all the platforms too. Yeah. <laughs> it's four, four different purchases. Um, so the dreaded question, do you, do you have an idea about when you want it to be out? I won't ask you the, you know, to pinpoint a date and time, <laughs> but yeah. have you got a, have you got a, like a, a feeling of when you want it to be done? Well, I mean, I know originally, like when, when sort of like you first sort of covered Lord Winkerbottom stuff, I said, I think it was September in 2019, but <laughs> that was like obviously a while ago. Yeah. Um, I am aiming to try for, you know, September really this year. So like late summer or something, you know, this year. Yeah. So I know it's like a, you know, potentially, you know, it's delayed a bit, but yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing where, you know, when you're working solo, it's, it's a bit difficult <laughs> juggling life and, and everything else. So aiming totally. for, you know, around Septemberish time. Brilliant. I, I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks. When we when we came away from EGX, we recorded a podcast and I was telling Greg about how much I enjoyed playing the game. There was a, a demo, like two games to your left about like somebody was standing up and it was it was a, a really noisy demo, but those people stopped because I was laughing so hard. And <laughs> oh, was it was it the guy with the switch thing? Because yeah, there's a oh, yeah. I was in between someone that had a switch booth as well. So yeah, they, they were like, yeah. it was just like beeping constantly, and, oh, and yeah. those and the guys with the VR headset were just kind of like, "What is going on with this guy?" And I was like, <laughs> I was really enjoying myself. So <laughs> yeah, sorry I missed you there. I think I'd gone off for lunch at that time. It's okay. I, I spoke to your husband, and and he gave me a badge, um, which. <laughs> Which is now my my four year old's favorite badge. He walked around <laughs> with it in the house the other day, going, "Look at me! I've got a badge on." <laughs> He's loving it. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks for playing it. It's a pleasure. Oh well, Charlotte, you're free to go now if you like. <laughs> Sorry, we've uh, kept you. But... No, that's fine. It's been nice talking to you. Oh, Grant. I mean, uh, Lord Winkerbottom Investigates is. You've heard it from Charlotte. It's officially coming out in September 2020. <laughs> that's what I want. <laughs> Um, there is a demo available, isn't there? On yes, yeah. Website. Yeah. If you yes, go... yeah, each I owe that one. Awesome. Yeah. Be sure so... to go and check it out. Can I quickly uh, just ask Charlotte a quick question? Of course. Paul, go um, for it. <laughs> I just, the artwork you've used uh, on the game just looked fantastic. I was just wondering, uh, do you do all your own artwork? And if you do, how did you create that kind of style? What sort of uh, software did you use? 
thanks very much um I, I, yeah i've been painting it all myself and i've been using clip studio paint oh, okay. um, which has sort of like a um more like an oil paint style brush wow so it mixes quite naturally and stuff so it's a bit different from using things like photoshop and, and stuff in that way so i find it just much smoother and sort of quicker and you know get quicker results out of it oh okay um so yeah it's it's quite a sort of easy to use package really sort of and I've I found you can get quite nice results sort of with the, the oil paint brush but I, I do quite like that style really generally the sort of just old oil painting and yeah it's pretty neat yeah um so I know it's a bit different and stuff um but yeah I was sort of I just was hoping to try and recreate that but digitally <laughs> you've done a good job uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks <for laughs> no worries <laughs> That was it, really. Uh, I was just yeah. talking about because I'm an artist person. You see. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll stick a link to the demo in the description of the podcast, and if you want to go and check it out, you can. And uh, my, I guess, I guess the final thing I saw uh, Sally Beaumont, who is one of your voice actors, tweet about the references that you sent her of like these strange animal noises mm. <laughs> and things. What, what exactly are you asking her to do? <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, the scream, uh, the screaming goat at the, <laughs> at the beginning of the demo <laughs> and for the trailer and stuff. So, yeah, it's because obviously, like, I want the maid to kind of find the body. <laughs> but I gave her, like, the reference of, like, screaming goats. So, <laughs> so it's it's less of a shocked kind of maid, like, finding her master, like, dead, but more of a kind of, you know, that weird scream that some goats do. <laughs> so I'm trying to get some of the animals sort of things into you know the characterizations and stuff um <laughs> oh brilliant it's so, the same same with like winklebot meeting plants and stuff like that it's it's just like random animal things that pop up occasionally <laughs> so if there was no reason to check out the there's definitely a reason to check it out now you've got to go and check out that goat screen <laughs> that's performed by the professional voice actor sally Beaumont. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I will be getting her to play sort of the maid and you know other characters and stuff in the, in the final game as well. So I don't think you should. I think you just leave it as as goat screamer. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, she she did the the whole like just those few lines as well that the goat says in in the demo. So, <laughs> so she she's doing quite a nice sort of Cockney voice for, for, the, for the goat. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Charlotte, thank you so much for your time. Thanks very much for having me again. Uh, it's been really nice speaking to you all. Well, yeah, we're, we're uh, obviously very excited about the game and uh, wish you the best of luck as it uh, nears the the final the final hurdles. Gosh, oh. how exciting. God, I can't wait to play it. <laughs> Thanks again. That was, that was nice. Yeah, I can't believe she's doing the whole thing on her own. It's crazy. I know. It's, it's quite, you can tell it's definitely a passion project. For sure. And it's nice yeah. to see that sort of, that like the love letter style of gaming, that it's a game that she wants to make. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's no, good. Uh, thanks to Charlotte Sutherland. Do check out Lord Winklebottom Investigates over on itch.io. We'll, as I said, add a link in the description if you want to check out the demo. Right, so we're going to jump into what we've been playing. So, who should I pick at random first? Mr. Paul Collett, what have you been playing this week? So, I've not been playing much. Um, I'm in one of those gaming funks where, you know, no matter what you pick up, you just don't fancy playing it. I don't, I don't know why gamers get this thing. I, I, I gather it's a thing that gamers have. It's like a disease. You get to a certain point in some time and you think, oh, I don't want to play anything, but I really want to play something, but you don't know what to play. And it's just, I've been one of those funks at the moment. So uh, I've sort of been idling my way through Shinmu and just shooting some things in Breakpoint, and that's about it. And I'm just desperately trying to find that 
that next game that would just give me that spark of inspiration to carry on playing, but at the moment I just can't find it. Not even PS Now. I signed up for PS Now for for a week just to get the uh, the the month to get the the trial and have all those games. Nothing appealed to me, so yeah, I'm stuck. Nothing. Yeah. Well, no. Well, I played Spec Ops: The Line. I played a little bit of. I remember that being quite good on PS3. Very nice. Uh, very um, nice. I, I read an article about that this week. I can't remember where where it's from. Though. Yeah, never mind. Sorry. Go on. No, but it's, it's actually a really great game. I'm not. I'm surprised they haven't made any more of them. But um, so I played that for a bit. I played Daytona USA because that's just always a classic. <laughs> that's it, really. And now my subscriptions run out. I've got. Um, I'm looking back left. Play Breakpoint. How was it running on your internet? Was it all right? None of really. It, it, it's it's stuttery, to be honest. <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. Um, but not not game break any bad. It just means the graphic fidelity sort of fuzzed up a bit, and then you know it came back in. But yeah, it didn't sort of like wasn't game breaking any bad. Okay. But, you know, nice. God help Google Stadia. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't worry about that for a while, to be honest. One. Do. Yeah, you're right without it. Uh, Great kicks. What have you been playing this week, sir? Pretty much the same as last week. I'm still trucking through Dead Rising 2 off the record. And by Christ, I forgot how unforgiving the old Dead Rising games were. Hmm. Uh, when it comes to, especially the, towards the end game, when enemies get guns, you just they just go through you like wet tissue paper. I put a clip up, fun enough, whilst the interview has been recorded, which is very rude of me, I know, on Twitter, of me just getting absolutely slaughtered by three mercenaries with guns. It was unreal. So yeah, I've been playing that. I've got back into The Surge 2. Uh, I can't really say for what purpose. It's kind of embargoed, but it doesn't really matter because I'm not at the requirement to unlock it yet, the DLC. So yeah, I've sort of had to hmm. relearn. Uh, pretty much like Sekiro, I've had to relearn how to play The Surge again. And I've had a bit of a grind on it today, which has been pretty good. Uh, what else have I been playing? A bit more After Party which is fun. And I've managed to have two games of Rainbow Six. Two actually, games actually, of Rainbow Six? I actually finished them without being kicked out this week. Wow. I know. I was very, very like, oh, I finished the game. I didn't win. I didn't kill anyone. Oh, no, I, I got some kills. But yeah, I, fin- I finished some games. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. More, more of the same. Back into back into something that I reviewed. So, and yeah, still trucking with, with a bastard hard dead rising game. Nice. Mr. Sean Davies, what have you been playing this week? I've been playing the Darwin Project, which launched on PS4, and I went, think went out of game preview on Xbox One this last week. A really well-designed Battle Royale game, just with ultimately khaki combat, and it's a real shame. It's it basically like the Hunger Games, except um, like a Battle Royale game, so there's people in this zone and occasionally a zone will go deadly so you can't stay in that zone but unfortunately it's like all of the combat feels like the start of Fortnite. it's it's all to do with axe swinging and bows and arrows and i said i was really looking forward to a game like a battle royale game without guns and it turns out i don't it's just really not great it's all it, you end up just hopping around each other swinging wildly until one of you dies and then somebody comes up behind you and kills you anyway and it it's a really well designed game if it's just the combat needs to change drastically. And also it's launched with just a solos mode, no duos. So me and Roscoe had some games together and um we kind of had to just jump into other people's games and try try to get together because you can't you can't create a party on solos, so it's it's not good. Yeah, duos have been added to PC and Xbox One, but not yet the PS4. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Sure 
I'm sure it's coming, but uh, yeah, the PS4 has been left out in the cold on that one. I mean, it's been on Xbox for a year or so. I remember playing it about a year ago on the uh, Xbox preview, and yeah, not a lot has changed. The PS4 has been stiffed a little bit in that regard. Never mind. Sorry, carry on. So, still looking for a good Battle Royale. Um, Roscoe sent me Cuisine uh, Cuisine Royale? Cuisine Royale. Um, Which is actually... Okay, so when you play the game, it's like a really well-polished PUBG. And... (laughs) (laughs) It's... It makes PUBG look like Call of Duty. Come on. Be honest. It is a less polished PUBG. (laughs) No, I, I think it's loads more polished than PUBG. Wow. Because, like, the last time I played PUBG was, like, three, four weeks after it came to PS4, and the texture loading was fucking awful. Like, you you drop onto a map, and even before you hit the floor, you wouldn't know what the floor is, because it would be, like, without texture. And I'm going to send it to you, and we're going to play it. We're going to show you how much better it is these days. If it's improved, that's great. But, like, the last time I played it, it was was pants. Um, Cuisine is weird like it's got like so basically it's it's pubg circle closing in lot looting of weapons rando maps that are like but you walk around with in underwear putting pans over your buttocks to protect you i i, I honestly feel like i'm having an aneurysm while playing it because it's just so weird and it's got one of the worst onboardings it, like it talks about dark magic and doesn't tell you ever how to use it so it's weird. I've been playing Dead End Job. Of course, I have. Dead End Job. <laughs> You've Dead played it now. Job. You must yeah, have done. <laughs> I have. Good man. Yeah. Enjoy it. Uh, how are you finding it? I love it. Good. Is that all that matters? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't say another word to me about Dead End Job ever again. I've also been playing a game called One Night Stand, or I played a game. It's. I don't know if you've ever told you about this game, but basically it's you wake up, you play as like a a guy who's woken up in a bed and he cannot remember how he got there. He turns around and sees a girl in the bed and he's not in his own flat and he realizes that, oh shit, he's had a one night stand. And basically you have, you have to make decisions on what you see around the room. So you can like pick up your shirt and put that on, put your pants on and put your trousers on and, and do a do a runner. Or you could try and get to know to this person that you just slept with. Or you can just like peek around a room and open up a Facebook and have a look at their messages and stuff. It is, it is wild that game. It's got some really cool um, kind of outcomes. So it takes about fifteen minutes to play the game from start to end, and almost every run will be different based on your decisions. It's it's pretty cool. And lastly, I've been playing Rage Two again. I'm going to get the platinum on it. I've decided. So nice. yeah, I'm, I'm one trophy away from the platinum, and I'm, I'm thinking about the DLC because the DLC looks crazy cool. There's like ghost swords and zombies and ghosts and stuff. So yeah. So uh, what have you been playing, Roscoe? Um, I've also been playing uh, the Darwin Project and Cuisine Royale. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get a code for Cuisine Royale. Uh, it is free to download, but I've got a uh, I've got like a battle pass for it now, uh, which works out as a kind of Wild West storybook that you have to work your way through. And it's I've actually got some clothes, which is nice. Finally, <laughs> yay! Yeah, I know. Not awkward now anymore, which is nice. But yeah, I'm finding it quite fun actually. It's not anything spectacular. It's just uh, it is a homage to PUBG. I think um, instead of a chicken dinner, you're a winner with a dinner. 
I think, is the uh, the victory screen that you get. <laughs> it is obviously, you know, set in that kind of PUBG kind of ideals, and it's yeah, it's uh, it's fine, it's fine, it's just a good laugh, and yeah, we do need to get on that. Um, I've been playing Fortnite, blah blah blah. I won't talk about that because it's boring now. Um, just done the latest challenges, yada yada. And I've been playing Not Tonight, uh, which I got a code for, so I can't talk about too much. It is embargoed, but I can make videos and stream it, so I can. I think I can talk a little bit about it. It's an incredibly bleak look at post-Brexit Britain, and you play as a someone who's uh, wrongly believed to be a foreigner because they're they're not of uh, they don't have a white complexion, so they're put in the uh, the kind of like service industry whilst working there, and it's up to you as a bouncer to work your way through these uh these different pubs and stuff and let people in and things like that and like let people in for, like if they you have to check their ids and you have to check their ages check their retirement and it's like it's a very kind of like straightforward kind of game in, in that sense but the story that runs through it is really interesting and it's incredibly dark it's really miserable it's not really a fun experience but it's definitely you know it's definitely hard hitting and it's coming out at just about the right time it launches on January thirty first, because of course it does, and it's a uh, it's a really I, can't, I don't really know what I can say, but I'm finding it interesting thus far. Um, the gameplay there's not an awful lot in it, but what you are doing is you're paying attention the whole time because you need to keep your eye on ages and verifications and things like that. And so it's a game where you it requires a lot of focus as, as you play it, but there's not really a lot to it. But the story is what I'm keeping playing for, and I have to raise a certain amount of money, otherwise I'm going to be booted out of the country. That I was born in, so it's a uh, it's a very very interesting story and definitely uh, one for the times at the moment. And you'll be able to see more about that on the 31st of January when I'll be, be able to talk about it a little more. I'm playing it on the Switch. Um, it's been out on Steam for a while, but yeah, the Switch is getting the version on Brexit Day. Hooray! So that's uh, that that's not tonight, and it's definitely interesting from No More Robots and Panic Barn. So be sure to look out for it when it finally comes out on Switch. It's got all the extra content as well, which came from the uh, the Steam version, so that's nice. And that's about it, really. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, right then, let's jump into some news. We uh, did our big interview with Charlotte, so we don't really have time for a quiz this week. I'm sorry about that, but we do have a lot of news to get through, so here comes some debating. First up, Sony is skipping E3 this year, which is very, very interesting. The year that they're releasing the PS5 in a statement which was first posted over at gamesindustry.biz. They've said, after thorough evaluation, SIE has decided not to participate in E3 2020. We have a great respect for the ESA as an organization, but we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. We will build upon our global event strategy in 2020 by participating in hundreds of consumer events across the globe. Our focus is on making sure the fans feel part of the PlayStation family and have access to play their favorite content. We have a fantastic lineup of titles coming to PS4 and with the upcoming launch of PS5, we are truly looking forward to a year of celebration with our fans. Now, of course, this is the second year in a row that Sony have not made it to E3. Gents, how do we feel about Sony not coming to E3? Uh, Paul Collett. Oh, this, is, this is a funny one because obviously E3 is like this big kind of crazy time when loads of new stuff gets announced. And it's always make, makes, makes it more interesting when there's a kind of like, you know, quote marks, battle between Microsoft and, and Sony and Sue comes out swinging the most. Last year, obviously, it didn't do much harm to miss it. But, you know, I don't know. I just think they, I hope they're not getting too arrogant. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's my worry. I mean, they've, they've obviously won this generation and 
you know, I don't want them to rest on their loyals, uh, laurels, loyals, laurels. So I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't really know how I feel about it because I'd like to see them there personally. I'd like to come, see them come there, come out swinging. PS5, Wallop is like, you know, God of War and Uncharted in space, whatever it's being rumoured, and uh, you know, drop the mic and walk off because I'm a bit of a Sony fan. But then, you know, when they do their little intimate reveals of things throughout the year and these little trade shows, they kind of, you know kind of nail it didn't they so i don't know it's it's an interesting one i hope uh i just hope they're not getting too big for themselves and you know stay a little bit humble because you know ps4 nailed it with everything including indies and all that kind of stuff so you know i don't want to go and be a bunch of wankers do you know what i mean <laughs> oh i i know exactly what you mean <laughs> exactly i'm glad someone does greg what do you think about this pretty much echoing paul sentiment but at the same time i think they've kind of I was going to say mic drop. That was the word I was going to use. So Paul is right. Like, it's like they can go like, well, you know, we've shifted the second highest console ever. What was the first one? Oh, one of ours. We've clearly got the pedigree. So yeah, I mean they've they've earned it. I mean you don't sell stuff. You don't you don't become like the two biggest selling consoles if they're crap. And obviously they've got a very strong library of exclusives. At the same time, if you've got a lot of people paying a lot of money to come to a trade show, it would be nice to see what the competition is bringing. It's a bit annoying if they're going to have a separate event or just a private reveal and go, oh, yeah, you can watch it all online. I know there's this big debate now between shows versus online. You know, a show's dying out more favor of people watching streaming things. But it would be nice to have a bit of presence there. Just something to remind fans that, yep, we're still doing it for the fans, for the players, you know, which is their motto. But at the same time, if they're going to focus all this time, like, for me, like, Sony have been a good dedicated console for gaming and that's what they've done you know they've, they've given some very good exclusives out you know there's that picture i put online of like my my playstation catalog compared to my xbox catalog for example and that's not just because of game pass it's because the playstation's got a bigger range of games for me to play that i like in, in the exclusives and xbox is more like hey look at all the garish controllers we can make and all that kind of shit and of course they're gonna have a they're gonna have a big stage presence at e3 even though they didn't at egx but i think they need to be there sony doesn't at the same time, it's, it's kind of biting the hand that feeds because you want people to be there. But of course, they're not going to—they're not where they are now just by not having a strong enough system or console to back it up or, or a catalog to back it up. So yeah, it's a bit contentious, but yeah, I wouldn't say it's pretentious. I mean, the mic drop thing—yeah, all right, they can now afford to do so, but they've got where they are by by being good. You've so, got like, there's a there's a question that can be raised. I mean, if if because like, you know Sony, Microsoft, that you know they, they those big E3, you know big E3 battles. It was it's always been a console war, isn't there? Like Sega and Nintendo, and then you know it's always been a console war. So if Sony don't go to E3 again, for example, should we say, and it's just left the Xbox and. and What's the point of E3? Why would people go to E3 just to see Xbox? Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's, there's, there's no, you know, the people on the edge, oh, I don't have to get Xbox, don't to get PlayStation. They might be going to E3, but, you know, one of the, one of the options aren't there. It's just Xbox. You know what I mean? Like, if, if there's no kind of uh, competition, point of E3. I know, you know, obviously other stuff goes on there, but, you know, the main, the main features are the, the big consoles having a kind of on-stage battle type thing. So if Sony decide, well, that's it for E3 forever... E3 probably disappear, would it not? Well, you would think so. I mean, one of the joys of E3 is watching the big ones go toe to toe, isn't it? Saucy. And we really like watching it every year. It's like that's one of the joys of it is, oh, uh, well, Microsoft just announced that. What is Sony going to do? You know, and that's all part of the fun. Sean, yeah. is this E3's fault? Yeah, kind of. Mm. E3 hasn't 
rolled with the times. You know, it has attempted to, but the, the problem is that um, E3 kind of grew out of itself. I completely understand why Sony want to skip E3. E3 is a nightmare because it costs a lot of money to go. And when you get there, it's incredibly difficult to manage your own message. How many times like a big publisher's press conference and straight afterwards, people are like, what does this mean? What does that mean? You've got enthusiast press on the floor who couldn't really hear the presentation, writing up pieces that are actually completely false. You know, straight afterwards, you've got a roundtable conversation with five or six journalists and they ask stupid questions and they get stupid answers. It's it's a nightmare for, for console manufacturers and publishers to get a clear and dedicated message out because you have to, A, share a load of headlines with everybody else and B, make sure that you've got everybody on the same message. And, you know, it's it's an, it's a nightmare. I could completely understand anybody not wanting to go to E3. And E3's become this big Christmas that we always wanted it to be, where, you know, everyone was turning up with games and stuff. And Sony last year managed to have no presence at all and still have the most watched trailer. And they don't need it. E, E3 really needs Sony. Sony really doesn't need E3. And that's the sad fact of that Sony have, have found a way to be able to get people to salvage over the fact that, you know, their games are coming and they don't need to put them in people's hands. There wasn't a single public playable de- demo of Death Stranding before release. It was one of the highest grossing games of last year. You know, they, they, they know what they're doing and they, they don't need E3 anymore, which is a shame because, you know, we used to love those. We're never going to get Final Fantasy VII Remake, Shenmue Three, and The Last Guardian on the stage. It's, you know, we're never going to get that again, which is a shame. But still, you know, the industry's moved on. You know, we're getting direct from Sony now. So Sony are likely going to be doing their own events throughout the year. They're going to be turning up at, you know, develop. Likely to be at both Resd and EGX later in the year. They're going to be at Madrid, at Paris, Tokyo. You know, E3's a nightmare and they, they are right to step out of it. I think it's a good choice. This, rum- this rumoured PS5 reveal, which is rumoured to be on February 5th, which has not been confirmed in any way, shape, or form. Uh-huh. What do you think it's going to be? Is it going to be an event that press can go to? Is it going to be a video? What do you think, Sony? Are they going to make a massive event out of it, or are they just going to go, hey, here's a video explaining what we're doing? Um, I think it's going to be a bit of both. I think, do you know how they did the um, the Last of Us 2 events last time, where basically they invited a load of press along to do like a presentation, and then they basically released all of that stuff uh, throughout a day to the to the basically to the world via Twitter and Facebook and Twitch and and basically they they kind of they carpet bombed the internet so that every all that people could see was the Last of Us, and I think that's the way they're going to do it. It might be traditional. It might be the fact that they get all the journalists in, and you know that does normally create a load of goodwill with journalists and you know they shouldn't really have a public opinion in it so you know they shouldn't really be putting their opinion in in their news but you know sometimes that does happen all the time so you know maybe they will go traditional and invite journalists but i i don't know that they don't need to you know they they showed a logo and it was the most viewed thing about gaming on instagram ever it was the most boring logo ever and it, <laughs> and it became the most viewed gaming thing on on instagram ever how yeah. you know they've 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 managed to basically drive their own pr 
without having to do all the traditional stuff that we've we've all kind of grown up with. And it's cool. We haven't talked about the logo, have we? Really, all that much. I'm going to ask Paul about the uh, the PS5 logo. Do you think? Do you think they were right to kind of keep that that branding going from one console one console to the other? Or were you looking forward to seeing something a bit more inventive? No, they they were right. You got to um, you got to keep with what people know. Um, PlayStation, uh, that little kind of PS uh, logo have run through all their PlayStations from one to like, four. Um, and it's iconic. You know exactly what it is. It, it, you know any kind of quiz. What's its logo for? Oh, it's PlayStation. You know it. They've got it spot on. I mean, there's absolutely no point creating a new logo. It's the PS5. It might be boring. It might not be what everyone wants. People want pizzazzy chrome effects or some crap on it. But um, no, I think they got it spot on, and I'm glad they kept it that way. Although I wish they'd come to me first for my logo. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you look on our uh, Twitter, on Finger Guns Twitter, at F-N-G-I-G-N-S, you'll see uh, Paul's concept for the PS5 logo, and it's sweet! <laughs> Thanks, man. But there we go. Never mind. Maybe next time. You have to create a PlayStation 6 logo. On it. On it. <laughs> I want it tomorrow by 8am. You got it, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting thing, isn't it? And uh, it is a shame that we're not going to have, with the like the year of two new consoles, that's always the best time to watch E3. Is when things just get dropped out of nowhere, and you know you'll never forget Sony E3 in 2013. It was just amazing with their used games mic drop moment. You know it was just absolutely fantastic, and it's kind of become quite iconic. And it's a shame we're not going to get one of those, but hopefully, whatever the PS5 reveal is, it's going to be pretty cool as well. You can only hope. And uh, it would seem that it's not that far off. Hopefully, it's a bit more exciting than dropping a trailer at the Game Awards. Anyway, right? Let's go into yeah. I said it. I said it. <laughs> that was yikes! That was like the bitch slap. That was backhanded and just nice. I like it. Thank you. God, have some faith in your product, Xbox. <laughs> oh. uh, anyway, all the delays. Every single game that you're looking forward to this year has been delayed, ladies and gentlemen. Well, maybe not all of them, but certainly a lot of them. We've all been fretting about the next couple of months and how crazy it is for release dates. So the game industry were very kind and pushed all of them to different times. So that's really nice of them. We've got the big ones, like the Final Fantasy VII Remake is now coming out on April 10th. Iron Man VR is now May 15th. Cyberpunk, very sadly, is September 17th. It feels a long, long way away now. And The Last of Us Part Two is May 29th. So not a massive one on The Last of Us or Iron Man, or really Final Fantasy VII, but Cyberpunk is obviously the big one. Greg, delays. How do you feel about delays, especially Final Fantasy VII and Cyberpunk? Because they were originally meant to be in the same month, but then it, then they moved. Is that, is, that, is, is that better? Is that good or bad, do you think? Well, I'm kind of relieved, because now it means I don't have to try and rush Final Fantasy VII, Resident Evil 3, and Cyberpunk all at the same time. Because I know what will happen. I'll spread them out. And try and play them in different parts, and then I'll inevitably read some spoiler online. So it means I can, I mean, I know what happens to Resident Evil 3 and Final Fantasy 7 overall anyway, but it means I can focus on them individually now, which is nice. No, I mean, it's, it's not too, it's not the end of the world, is it? Like the like the, the quote from Shigeru Miyamoto, you know, the thing about a delayed game being eventually good, and a bad game is, a, a rushed game is bad forever. You know, it's, or I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing that, but yeah, it's not, it's not the end of the world, is it? Like, I'd rather they came forward now and said, yeah, sorry, we need a bit more time in the oven than a week before release date. I mean, I haven't pre-ordered it. I would have liked to have had the big collector's one for Cyberpunk, but it's not the end of the world. I'm sure we can wait six months. We waited this long for it already since it was first announced with that 
trailer back in oh christ when was that uh, you know the cgi trailer the woman getting shot yeah yeah uh was that 2013 it was a no. long time ago very long time ago before was it before or after the witcher it was after the witcher 3 wasn't it? so 2016 so if we waited that long i mean i waited i waited three and a half years for death stranding so i can wait a couple more months for cyberpunk in regards to final fantasy 7 i kind of wish that the, the delay would be because they were going to make it all one game but that's just wishful thinking <laughs> but yeah, no, it, might be, it might be delayed a fair bit if that is the case yeah day one patch is like another 400 gigs worth because it's the rest of the game i'm not i'm not as heartbroken as everyone on the internet seems to be to coin the phrase shit happens but it's yeah i'd, I'd rather they they take the time they need to make it than mm. squeeze it out and have a broken game you know look at andromeda look at anthem look yeah. at no man's sky all right no man's sky eventually got better but i'd rather they wait yeah, I mean, you look at something like Cyberpunk, CD Projekt Reg said that, in they said in their statement, you know, the game is done. We're just yeah. going to take this time to just fix it, essentially, and make it all work cohesively. I mean, that's that's a good chunk of time just to take out the little bugs and stuff that they may have found. I mean, that's that's got to be a good thing for consumers, doesn't it, surely? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean... You see videos like the highlight reels and the GameSprout videos of people finding bugs in games, and they're hilarious. You know, I've I've had someone I've played The Witcher, I've had someone I've played The Last of Us remastered, and yeah, you occasionally get a bug, and you go, "That's stuck on there." That's quite funny. But if your game does that constantly, or it force crashes you out of the to the dashboard, you'd be cursing it, and you wouldn't go back to it. And then you do that inevitable eye roll when they do patch it, and you go, "Oh, finally!" You know. Whereas you 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 get up to a bad foot with the game. But if, if you've got a good game that's been, if you've had to wait, then fine. It's not, it's, it's not the be all end all. You know, like it's not, it's not, if they cancel the game, yeah, all right, fair enough. And as happened with things like Scalebound and stuff like that, when it did look like it was almost on its way, yeah, different story. But CG Project Red delivered on The Witcher. They said, sorry for this, but here's 16 bits of free DLC. They said, you know, we're going to put out two story DLCs. You don't have to pay for them, but they are going to be big expansions. And they were, they were fucking huge in Hearts of Stone and Blood of Wine. So they do deliver. It's it's still going to be a very good game. And it's going to... The cynical people are going, oh, they're just doing this so they can get Christmas, you know, Christmas top sales or uh, they can have late entries for Game of the Year and all that. And it's just... No, they've, they've said in their statement they are just going to iron out a few creases. Have faith in them like, they, like we did with the other game. And um, Final Fantasy, yeah, same thing. But I'm not as excited yeah. about that. You're less excited for Final Fantasy. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You've heard my opinion about the episodic side. And, and yeah, it does look good. And, you know, I have played the demo and it would do very well. It assuaded my fears about the whole real-time combat thing. And yeah, it's going to be very good. But, I mean, it's not the best Final Fantasy. So, <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm going to get it when it comes out. But I, I'm not heartbroken on the internet going, fuck Square so often, fuck CD Projekt Red. You know, just, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, that's that's bullshit, isn't it? All that stuff. Really annoying. Uh, Paul, what is your most anticipated game of this year, and has it been delayed? Yes, two of them. I think. I think Watch Dogs got delayed, did it not? Uh, it has been delayed, and it still doesn't have a new date. Which ah, is see, a and, worrying. Um, I wouldn't say yeah. it's one of the biggest games of the year, though, is it? Humpty Dumpty ah, Dum. Good lord, man. So yeah, that and Cyberpunk. But also on this subject of delays, I think it's a good thing. After the absolute clusterfuck that was Anthem, which was just absolutely scarred me for life now in games and assassin's creed unity where people's faces disappeared it's mm-hmm. it, it, if someone tweeted out something on the other day i saw a tweet and it, someone said something about you know 
look at his look at his patch or something for a game. It's like five billion gigabytes, whatever, whatever. And and I just said, fuck's sake, just give me a finished game. Do you know what I mean? You're paying 40, 50, 60 quid for a game. Fucking be, needs to be finished. Do you know what I mean? Can't can't just like, hey, here's a game, but you can't replay really it. Or it bugged out until like day one patch web. Why is there a day one patch? Can you imagine if this happened in any other industry? Oh look, here's a uh, I know Marvel, Marvel's new film, whatever. But we haven't got quite filmed the ending yet. It'll come tomorrow, we'll come back to the cinema. Can you imagine? It only happens in this industry. And it's pissing me off now. So if I want to play, play the game and it's got to be fucking spot on though, kind of mm. absolutely nothing wrong with it, then. I'm all for it, but if uh, Watch Dogs comes out and it's as fucking glitchy as uh, Breakpoint is, then I'm going home. I'm going to throw my toys at the pram and everything. <laughs> no, that's fair. I think that that, that raises a good point. Uh, Sean, I'll bring you into this now. Is there now extra pressure on CD Projekt Red to deliver a game that is absolutely 100% clean now, now that they've said the game's done, but we're just going to take this time to iron out all the kinks? If the game launches with kinks still in there? No. no. I, I, think, I think there will be there will be fun expectation, but I think when me and Greg sat down and watched the demonstration at EGX, you could see that there were like a billion moving parts to this game. You know, you get a mission and you complete that in, you know, a lot of different ways. You could kill people, you can stealth it, you could hack it, you could... There's a lot of stuff, lots of moving parts. And the probability is right now they are playtesting the game to death to find the bits that don't work. But it won't be just like people getting snagged on stuff. It'll be like mission stuff. So it'll be like, did this mission complete? No, why didn't it complete? Because I did this in, you know, like four missions ago which affected this mission it'll be trying to make sure that basically everybody's got the freedom that they imagined that they've proposed that they've kind of designed the scope that they've kind of outlined and make sure that it doesn't fall apart i don't think anybody who saw the presentation or has really been keeping an eye on it would would forgive them if things didn't go right the stuff they've got to get right is like quests can't just bug out and disappear can't crash all the time you know t poses fine whatever t poses is t poses textures frame rates that kind of shit people will forgive them if as long as it isn't broken broken then it'll be fine you know the rest can be patched it's just they need to make sure it's it's fixed and not completely broke and that's what this time will be you know some the probability is somebody stumbled across a, a show-stopping bug in a play test and that's what's pushed all of this back you know i I don't expect it to be a completely broken mess when it turns up, but you can still forgive them. And people should forgive them for things that, you know, don't go right because any game that ships is a miracle. You know, it's it's not... Paul was saying just that, you know, a game... You used to buy a finished game, but yeah, a finished game used to be 200 lines of code. And now it's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of moving parts. You know, if one breaks, it all fucking falls to pieces. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to realise that these days that, you know, shipping something is just a miracle in and of itself and you know the fact that we can even fix a game after it's gone out you know it's software at the end of the day this ability means that we we get to make things better after they've gone out the door rather than having broken games and you know back in the old days they used to sell broken games so delays is good but you know we, we, we still got to expect some rockiness when these games launch they're not going to be perfect shining beacons of awesomeness with no bugs they're still going to have problems yeah, but what, what, what about Anthem, though, when that first launched? I mean, people literally couldn't play it because it was so broken. Um, You know, you couldn't connect to a server, you couldn't get a match, nothing. And this is, this is my point. I paid £50 for something that's not finished, and I don't think that's right. You can, yeah, update all like, the tweaks and the bugs and stuff, for sure, man, but make sure the damn thing's playable from day one. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, Anthem, Anthem was playable for people. 
but the problem is, and this is one of the things we find with with a lot of um, game releases that are like have to be connected online, and I, I know they don't have to be, but you know they choose to be, is that servers get maxed out. You've got players that abuse it, and you know you have these these outages. It's not as if you can just turn on another server to to put other people on. It's it's far more complicated than that. And and yeah, but that's not my fault, though, is it? That's no, no, my, that, that, that definitely. Hands, I want to play the game. That definitely is Give me money back. You know what I mean? That definitely isn't your fault. And I do think that when when developers go out of their way to compensate for outages, you know, then that is a, a really great kind of public relation move. <laughs> and I think yeah. I think Anthem should have done that more than it did. God, yeah, should have done something like a refund. Hey. Hell for I could care, you know what I mean? Do you know, I, I really enjoyed what I played of Anthem until I got to this part where it was just a bit of a grind. But, you know, I played it on day one. I didn't have a problem at all. And I, I was really enjoying it. And well, yeah, the other occasion I did get, get a game, I enjoyed it, but it was like few and far between. And for 50 quid, it was quite pricey for, well, I'll say pricey. Tesco's normally do their games about 40 quid, but this was 15. I was like, I'll take a pump. Couldn't play it. So, um, bullshit. That's what I say. Yeah, which right, is my, you know, <laughs> fast language catalogue I have. <laughs> 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 I just hope that in that time, uh, CD Projekt Red will update the box art for Cyberpunk 2077. It's, it's shit. It's just just some dude, just some dude with a yellow background. Come on, that's you though. That's that's the character. That's V. Look at all the beautiful art that's in that game. You know, they could have really made something quite special with the artwork, but it's very similar to uh, Spider Man. Is it? It's just a coloured background with Spider Man. Boring. Yeah, but it, you have to follow the convention. You can't do something scary because it scares everyone away. They don't have to. Look, there are only four types of box art. There are the people looking away from the camera, standing in front of a, you know, basically Destiny, Destiny 2, Call of Duty, the face, you know, the face close-up. It's pretty much every game is a close-up side on of the face. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the coloured background of the guy standing, guy or girl, it's never a girl, I'm just going to say that anyway, on, on the cover, you know, in front of a coloured background. There's like four different types of box art. You oh, you missed, you missed the one that's on a white background with uh, the images imposed within the main character. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. World yeah. famous. Yeah, no. <laughs> isolation, for example. It's just, yeah. I'm looking at the, uh, the artwork right now for the box art for Monster Hunter World Iceborne. And it's beautiful. It's just a, it's just a gorgeous piece of art. And I don't know. It's not a big deal, I know, but I want it better, please. Maybe if I pay for the collector's edition, I'll get a better piece of art on my cover. I don't know why I just don't throw Keanu Reeves on the front. It's still bucket then, wouldn't it? Don't I? <laughs> That's true. Then again, I'm buying it digitally, so what the fuck? Ah, All right, let's move on there to The Order 1887. <laughs> Could there be a PS5 sequel on the way for The Order 1886? That game that was released fairly early on in PS4's uh, lifespan and came out to mixed, if not great, reviews, although it seemed to have done quite well with the audience and it's got a bit of a cult following. Um, Sean brought this to my attention with the post with what are they ready at dawn? Is that right? Yep. Yeah, ready at dawn posting adverts for jobs and lots of them. And so we're go- we're speculating that it could possibly be a order sequel. Sean, have you got anything else to add to this? Would you like to see a sequel to the order eighteen eighty six? I I would love to see a sequel to the order eighteen eighty six. I can never see it happening. And you might have also seen another rumour that's done the rounds this week about basically somebody's said that there is a sequel to The Order coming out, um, but it's going to be a PlayStation 5 slash PlayStation 4 and Xbox three, Xbox One and Xbox Series X game. And that rumour's been doing the rounds and everyone's getting really excited about it. But 
unless Sony have lost their mind, because Sony owned the IP to the order, they own the independent property, they, they will not be selling, they will not be publishing a game on an Xbox One. That would be madness. So I don't believe that rumor. I do believe that Ready at Dawn probably are working on something that looks very much like the order without the order uh, branding. But it, if, it, if it is the order and all of these job adverts are, are, are aiming towards the order, I will be overjoyed because that was a great story. It was an incredibly highly polished game and I really want to see a next chapter. Uh, cool. Has anyone else played the order? I yeah, have. I have. I, I got a review code from a friend who was working for a magazine at the time. I really enjoyed it. I would be a bit annoyed if had I paid full price for it because of the game length, but I really enjoyed it as a as a third person shooter. Yeah, the story's a bit wishy-washy. And yes, they reuse the same cutscenes with like the werewolf fights and the game did sort of give away the impression that it was going to be a co-op style game. Or, or, or you know, there was going to be more to it with obviously the four of them on the original box art before it got changed slightly. But I enjoyed it. It was beautiful. I mean, I was watching the zero punctuation video and he said that the game is beautiful looking, but there's there's rooms in there that look amazingly detailed, but you can't reach. So it just seemed pointless making that when you could have put it into more of the game. Yeah, it was a it was a third person Call of Duty. Essentially, it was a corridor shooter, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the world. I like the way they set it up for a sequel with Galahad, you know, becoming a bit of a renegade um, and taking on the corruption of the Order. I, I really enjoyed it. It'd be nice to see another one, but I, I think the reviews of the first one did hurt it. But then we had the same thing with Titanfall, didn't we? Obviously, Titan sold, Titanfall 1 sold more than the Order. Everyone went, oh, and at last, there's no story. And now Titanfall 2 is like a champion of narrative first-person storytelling. So, you know, never say never. We got a Bulletstorm remaster from People Can Fly and uh, Epic. So, Indeed. you know, Bulletstorm, Bulletstorm only sold off the back of the Gears of War beta, but mm. people still love that. So, Silver Linings, perhaps. I haven't played it yet. I need to... Uh... What, The Order? Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's very good. Yeah, it's on my... Uh... It was on... I think it was on PS Plus a while back. So, I've got it in my library. I just need to... To jump on it, not quite sure when that will be, but I don't know. Maybe in this massive delay period, I can actually start playing yeah. these games again. <laughs> uh, Paul, have you played the order? I have. I think we uh, were sent a review copy way back in the uh, PS. What was that website called? We done PlayStation. PS, PS Gamer. PS Gamer. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Um, I do believe we were sent a review copy, and I actually really enjoyed it. It's a great game. It is very short. It's very corridory linear, but I mean, you know, it's just oh. Victorian London's always wins in my book, and added werewolves and cockney accents. It's, it's me written all over it. I love it. So I hope there's an order 1887. Well, then uh, the consensus is from finger guns. Yes, give us more the order. That's what we're after. All right, let's go into our next topic. We've got even more to talk about. Paul brought this one to my attention. Our exclusives, anti-consumer. Ooh. Now, this is from a article on uh, Push Square where I have n- I just don't know what they were doing, but it seemed to do nothing but just inflame people in the comment section. I'm pretty sure that's why it was written. And it did bring up an interesting theory that Sony are being, what was the word they used? Selfish with their first-party games and not sharing them out on Switch and Xbox One, even though Xbox One and Switch appear to be sharing each other's games, um, which they're not, obviously. But hey... Gamers are entitled, so that's how it works. And it also kind of balances out with the Xbox Series X not launching with any exclusives. So, who have a nice start with you? Uh, Sean, are Sony anti-consumer? Are they fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this is the most fucking idiotic thing I have seen in a long while. This is like saying any any game released on the PC that won't run on my laptop 
is anti-consumer. It's it's the most idiotic thing, for fuck's sake. So Sony have, have have a traditional console business. They they make games that make you want to buy a console, and when you buy the console, you basically buy into their ecosystem. Microsoft are doing something different. They want to sell games, and they don't really care where they sell them because for the last you know generation they've been totally shit at making games, so they're just trying to shit sell them whatever they can. <laughs> it's it's not fucking hard to, to say that like you know Microsoft are being very friendly to consumers by saying it doesn't matter where you are, you can play your games. And they'll do that through cloud streaming and everything because they want to break down the barriers. But to say that Sony are being anti-consumer by not doing what Microsoft are doing and, you know, pretty successfully in subscription services, but not otherwise in selling games, you know, it's, it's just daft. What comes out of this for me is when the Xbox Series X comes out, you're going to have games that will run on an Xbox One. And when the PS5 comes out, there are games that won't run on a PS4. And those PS5 games will likely be the best fucking games for the, the next couple of years because they're going to have all that extra firepower to use. The Xbox Series X games are going to have to run on Xbox One. So they're going to be hampered. Sure, they could probably put faster load speeds in and faster frame rates and nicer you know, polygons or whatever the fuck they want to put in. But yeah, it's not going to be a transformative experience like you could get with a next-gen system. So no, it's not anti-consumer. It's giving people, you know, transformative experiences by using hardware that isn't available on a previous console. And they need to fuck off, push square, go jump off a cliff into the fucking sea. <laughs> Excellent. Sorry. That's okay. That's what I was hoping. That's the Sean I was looking for in that particular. Uh... <laughs> so I was like, yep, I'm just going to send him up and he's going to knock it down. Paul. How dare Sony? Do you know what I mean? How dare they have all these amazing games and keep them for their own system? Imagine. How utterly selfish of them. Oh my God. I've never heard anything so shit in my life. It's a load of bullshit. But I think Push Squish do more than jump off a cliff. I don't know where. Do something else more violently death like, but. Well, out of old crap. I mean, the whole point is, you know, like sort of said, ecosystem. You know, here's my console. Here's some games for you to play on it. You want to play them? Buy the console. It's that simple. If Sony had been released, all these, all the think of all the exclusives Sony have, like God of War, Horizon, all the, all the fucking amazing games they've got, and say, oh, by the way, available on Xbox. Can you imagine the fucking PlayStation sales would just plummet? It's, it'd be a, a, it's a no-brainer, and I don't know what push we're talking about. They're talking absolute carsy. Can't, I can't rant as good as Sean, but I, I had to try. No, it was lovely. Thanks, was lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Greg, have you got any thoughts on this? What they said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's bollocks. Like, you, obviously, people strike deals to have exclusive games on consoles, and that way the publisher gets money for it. So if you can't play it, tough titties. If you can't afford the console, meh, that's... I'm not going to get into a big debate about what people can and can't afford. Don't don't misquote that. But yeah, I think that's bollocks reporting and pretty much what Sean said, but less eloquently. I... Yeah, it's uh, it's ridiculous and nonsensical. Um, it's... it's clickbait, that's what it is. It is. That's exactly what it is. And Push Square, sadly, have seemed to have fallen down that particular rabbit hole a lot recently. Um, with their latest rumors, the blah, 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 and then you go into the article and it's like, this this rumor is obviously untrue, but we're going to tell you it anyway. So, f- f- what? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> said this on the internet. Here, here's what they said. It's obviously untrue. Thanks for clicking. Bye. Here's some yeah, Amazon exactly. links. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, fuck's sake. People say, why don't uh, finger guns don't uh, post rumors and stuff? It's like, that's why. There's no well, I'll do a little no... bit sometimes. Well, I, I know, but we, we we rarely post speculation because there's just no point. 
always, I always ask the question when you write, it goes, is this the new thing, question mark? And it leaves people up to them to decide, you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't go in there and go, well, this is obviously bollocks, but we're going to tell you anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and don't indicate in any way, shape or form on the tweet, Facebook post or title of the article that it might be untrue. Mm. You know, guy, Insider says game is coming. Game is obviously not coming. <laughs> uh, great. Well done. Make sure you add about 10 hashtags to the tweet as well. Yeah. That's very important. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> anyway, uh, see, we're not that bad, really, are we? The, the way we get away with it is by just not posting, right? It's true. So, <laughs> okay, well, that does bring a solemn end to this particular episode of the Finger Guns podcast. Anyone got any other topics they want to raise before we go? Yeah, I missed the quiz. Ah, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's very much up to Paul of whether or not he wants to go to bed. Hell, no. uh, well, we'll do it. <laughs> the quiz is coming next week. Don't worry, we'll make sure of it. Right. That's so, quite a, like a topic of discussion and debating. It was quite interesting. I liked it. Oh, good. So once, yeah. Paul, once Paul dials out, we'll do the quiz. Yeah, is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> you cheating motherfuckers. Yeah, I mean, we could... We, don't we could don't talk... rile him up before he goes to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, yeah, where did you get that, that list of PS5 reveal rumours from? I can't remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, imagine I, if that was true, though. Wow. That's going to be the closest to the lineup that is. I mean... The game perhaps some of you the the, uh, the rumor. Yeah, well, there is a very not to me anyway. It's not all that convincing, but there seems to be a thing going around that the PS5 reveal event is set for February. The release date for the PS5 is October 2020. It's going to be 450 pounds. Only one model. Launch titles include Grand Theft Auto 7, MLB 21, Demon Souls Remastered, Godfall, the game which they showed at the Game Awards, Legends, which is a new IP from Santa Monica Studio. And the game's tease, this is the bit that I that lost me, was the they're going to reveal the Horizon Zero Dawn sequel, the Spider-Man sequel, a new IP from Naughty Dog, three months out from releasing The Last of Us. Yeah, that's not happening. New IP from SIE Japan, new IP from London Studio, Final Fantasy 16, and a brand new Resident Evil. All of that in one show, apparently. And the PS5 spec is almost on par with the Series X. Leak claims Series X is more expensive. PS5 is more powerful than the cheaper Xbox Lockhart, which is the the less powerful kind of like mid mid range Xbox Series X, which is coming out, and the PS5 slogan is "It's time to play." There's truth to that one because they've added that to their bio on Twitter. It's time to play. Yes, but and the, the does... only reason this 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 leak has any credence is this was posted on 4chan about three weeks ago, and the slogan was changed this week. So three weeks ago, somebody said uh, PS5 slogan is going to be "It's time to play." And now PlayStation started to rebrand all of its accounts two weeks later to It's Time to Play. Now, you know, might be a massive coincidence, it, you know. But that is some, a lot of information. That is a lot if, of information. If that is all leaked, someone is getting fired to the fucking sun. Sure. Um, no, because I think there's that many fake leaks that you can, you know, there's, there's so many leaks out there right now. Most of them, somebody's made up and written somewhere. The only reason I think this has any credence is because it's not fucking, you know, it isn't amazing. Like, they're probably going to show a reason. That we, we know that Horizon Zero Dawn's in development. We know a new Spider-Man's in development. We know that Naughty Dog have two teams. You know, we know that Sony Japan have nothing announced for them. They've got nothing. They, they are working on something, but we don't know what it is. We know that Final Fantasy 16 is going to come, you know, 
London studio since you know we, all of these things are very possible yeah. that's what I'm saying I don't think it's going to be all in one show I mean if it is this is the greatest show that's ever been put on by anyone well yeah but it's, it's very three would you say, okay if, if that was E3 would you would say it was right if that was you know before the last show of E3's big publisher would you think that that was a good show well yeah, of course but it wouldn't happen it, it has. We've, we've had shows that good. They don't show that many new IP from their first party studios in one show. They What they used to do is split them up between PSX and E3 and whatever else was going on. Gamescom, maybe. Yeah. They would just drop it on Twitter. They didn't put it all in one, like a cake where you where you cut into it and there's like Smarties inside. Oh, do you know, this, this leak cannot be right because NAC 3 is not on that list. There we go. See? See? Confirmed, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's garbage. <laughs> and if I don't get NAC 3, there's going to be tables flipped. Someone's, uh, someone started to make NAC 3 in dreams. Is that true? Yeah. Oh my god. Bring it on. <laughs> you know, anyway, uh, yeah, so that's the current rumors floating around. Anyway, that does bring an end to this particular episode. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Before we go, out this week, January 23rd, Oddworld, Strangers Wrath HD is coming to Switch. Very, very exciting. Football Tactics and Glory is coming to Xbox One. I don't know what that is. Is it a management game? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I think it's on PS4 and PC now. And uh, it looks pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Like, you know, that new style manager? Kind of like kind of like that, but player level. So, yeah, uh, could be cool. All right. Hmm. I'll have to look into that. Rugby 20 is out on January 23rd. Sega Ages, their new stuff coming to the Switch. They're bringing uh, Shinobi and Fantasy Zone to the Switch this week. Dream Ball on Xbox One is coming out on January 23rd. Earth Knight is coming to PS4 on January 23rd. Warhammer 40,000 Space Wolf is coming to Switch on January 23rd. Lumini is coming to Switch and Xbox One and PS4 over the course of the week. 21st for the PS4, 22nd for Xbox, and 24th for the Switch. Uh, next week is very exciting. Kentucky ReZero is coming to PS4. And Journey to the Savage Planet is also coming to PS4. Very excited for both of those. But you got to wait another week for them. Sorry. We'll talk about it next week. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So thank you very much indeed for listening. As ever, this has been the Finger Guns Podcast. Make sure you follow us everywhere at FNGRGNS on Twitter. Facebook.com forward slash Finger Guns UK on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash fingerguns.net. Uh, we started to use it a little more this week, so hopefully we can keep that going over the next few weeks hopefully there'll be a second episode of the sims we shall see yeah tomorrow if, if you're listening to this it will be tonight so go and check out the twitch stream because you'll you'll be able to see us guys in sims 4 and greg playful in the bath then frustrated um, <laughs> yeah that just sounds misleading oh yeah and, and then there'll be some gameplay of the sims so <laughs> don't tell everyone about the camera you put in his bathroom sean jesus oh sorry that's uh, awkward yeah, but that was uh, fun. You can look, you can find the first episode of that on our Twitch page, or you can find it on thinkingguns.net as well. It's very, very funny. All of us sharing a house in The Sims 4 from the mind of Sean Davies. It's very, very entertaining. <laughs> and yeah, that's it, mate. So thank you very much indeed. It's goodbye from Mr. Greg Kicks. Goodbye. Goodbye from Mr. Paul Collett. See you. Goodbye from Mr. Sean Davies. Toodles. And goodbye from me. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Finger Guns Podcast. Pew.